Love Talk Radio. Terminal fans, welcome to the show, and we are with you here on another Sunday, QT and Sign Guy, and we are awaiting our guest. I am going to call him in just a moment, QT, while we wait for that. Do you have a book you would like to read from, perhaps from page 38? Oh, okay, you mean Beneath the Armor of an Athlete? That would be huge. Oh, okay. I will uh, get it in the other room. Page 38, you say, huh? That would be huge. Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans what the weather in Seattle is right at the moment? Uh, I'd say partly cloudy, somewhere around 68 degrees. And right to 38. Okay. Now, would you want me to uh, read from the top, middle, or end on page 38? Oh, okay. Through the mist of a humid afternoon, my taxi driver roars into the dormitory parking lot of Cheney, Washington, and Cheney University in Washington. Now, sign. All right, now, before let me I read again. Let's oh, see okay. if we get him. Oh, all right. Do we have Dalton Davis with us? How's it going? Doing very well. I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today. We have anticipated this for a while. Excited hey, to have you on the show. Here. Now, since it is your first time with us, I'm going to give you our first-timer question to start today off. What got you into the business of professional wrestling? So, um, as a kid, uh, you know, we all grow up watching it and the larger-than-life characters. And, um, you know, as as a kid, I, I was in and out of the hospital. Uh, I had an immune deficiency. Um, had a lot of health problems as a kid. And wrestling was kind of always uh, – you know, my, my way of coping, I guess, as you would say, or uh, what helped me got through those, you know, long doctor's visits and the hospital stays. And uh, I just, I always told myself that if, God willing, I was ever, you know, able to do it, I would, I would become a professional wrestler. And uh, here we are. That's, that's what got me into pro wrestling, just pro wrestling always being there for me and you know I I wanted to be the larger than life characters I've seen I wanted to be you know the the John Cena and the Mark Henry and the big show so yeah it's my uh my start in pro wrestling now as I recall it you got your start as a referee and worked as a referee for a while before getting into the in-ring matches and wrestling yourself. 
As yes. A so young, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you're good. You're good. Go ahead, sir. Um, I was going to ask, as a person young in the business, do you think it benefited you more learning as a referee and kind of seeing things as they happen up close as it would have if they put you directly in the matches at the same age? Um, you know, honestly, I, I really do believe that refing did help me out a lot. Um, there's a lot of things that go into being a wrestler, uh, you know, and learning where you're at, you know, time-wise in a match or, uh, you know, ring positioning. Those are two very big key things that you need as a, as a professional wrestler. And, uh, I really feel like refing, refing helped me with that. And refing also helped me, um, you know, really get get into tune with the entertainment side of professional wrestling because me wrestling helped me, you know, be out in front of that crowd and help work through those butterflies that everybody gets, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I, I truly believe wrestling did help me. And, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of times I miss it, truthfully. But, yeah, wrestling, wrestling definitely did help me out a lot. Now, in your career so far, you have pretty much split the time between tag team wrestling, uh, most notably as part of the Knockout Society, and singles wrestling. It's two different animals usually, but most people tend to gravitate towards one or the other as far as a preference. Do you have a personal preference when it comes to tag teams versus singles? Um, you know, honestly, not really. Uh, e- either way, either way, I just, uh, first of all, you know, I, every time I get in that ring is always a great opportunity. Um, but I, I, as far as preference goes, uh, wow, that is a good question. Huh. Honestly, I, I don't think I could give you an honest answer there because each of them have their, uh, you know, their pros and cons. They have their, their own unique reason why I love that certain style of match. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I could choose. I don't think I could choose. You've done a lot in both, and you've done great at both, so I can totally see you not having a preference there. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Now, you talked a little bit about the entertainment value of pro wrestling, and that is a big part of what attracts a lot of the fans to wrestling. They want to be entertained. They want uh, larger-than-life personalities. They want to see uh, people doing things that they normally wouldn't see human beings doing. You uh, seem to gravitate towards the entertainment part of the business more than uh, some people. In fact, you often dance the tango in the middle of the ring, as I have discovered personally. What led you to start doing things like dancing the tango prior to the matches? You know, you got to have fun while you're doing it, you know. And uh, if you're not having fun while you're doing it, then why, why are you doing it? And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel... 
I love being the entertainment side of wrestling, um, along with, and I don't get me wrong, you know, when I need to be serious and turn on the Jets, I can. But uh, what really what really makes the entertainment side of wrestling very important to me is, you know, we get, we get all these fans come from, you know, all different, you know, places and, you know, they they have a nine to five just like I do, and they 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 want to spend their hard earned money to come watch, you know, me and other professional wrestlers, uh, you know, perform. And it's always my goal to make sure that the fans leave the end of that night, rather it just you know, rather it just be one little thing I did, or it's my whole match. I just I want them to make sure that they feel like they got their money's worth. And at the end of the day. That's what's really that's what's important to me. I want I want the whether they're booing me or they're cheering me or they're just really into the match. Regardless, I just want to entertain the people who pay their hard-earned money to come see guys like me live my dream. I mentioned the tag team with the Knockout Society, uh, which is your team with Jason Levi. You two not only have teamed up together in a lot of places and been successful. You've had a long series of matches against your Knockout Society tag team partner. He's probably not only your most team with partner, but possibly your most wrestled opponent. What has been the relationship like from day one to right now with Jason Levi? You know, the best way I can describe it is, uh, you you have a brother? Yeah. You ever just like, I don't know, like you just, you love him, you love him. Nothing at the end of the day will change the fact that you love him, but there's, there's sometimes he just, just gives you that little, that irritating niche, you know what I'm saying? That's how me and Jason Levi's uh, relationship has gone, and he he's you know he's a guy that will bring me to my limits, a guy that I feel like brings out you know the best version of Dalton Davis, whether that be you know tag teaming or wrestling against each other. But uh, yeah, Jason Jason's he's definitely taken me to my limits, and. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had a very rocky relationship, and we've had plenty of street fights. We've had a last man standing match. We've had a lumberjack match. We've had a submission match. You name it, me and him have probably done it together. But uh, at the end of the day, I know that man has my back, and I sure as hell have his. Now, one of the things that a lot of wrestlers have on their bucket list or their uh, personal goal list for their career is getting to Japan to wrestle. Uh, in the last few years, it's become more accessible for American and Canadian independent wrestlers to be able to achieve that. Is going to Japan something that has ever crossed your mind so far? You know, I would love to go to Japan. Um, I, especially here recently, I have just studied, studied, studied uh, Japan wrestling, and you know their their 
intensity they have over there and, you know, their 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 style over there, I would I would love to. That would be amazing. That that is definitely on my bucket list is to uh to get over to Japan for sure. One of the other places that has opened up in the last few years is Europe. Uh, we see a lot more European countries having independent wrestling. Ohio Valley Wrestling has opened up a sister promotion in Romania, of all places. So there's a lot more options going to Europe for independent wrestlers out of North America right now. Is getting to Europe something that you've also considered? Uh, you know, honestly, man, I, I would love to go to Europe, too. I, I would love to go to any place that would have me. Um, but, yeah, definitely traveling out of the States has been on my bucket list for a while. Uh, I would love to go to places like, you know, the U.K., Japan, and uh, maybe even Canada one, you know, someday. But, uh, yeah, definitely traveling out of the United States has definitely got my interest. Uh, you know, I, I I think the best way to, you know, become the best wrestler I could be is to just wrestle everybody, wrestle all different styles, wrestle all different, you know, people that, what is the word I'm looking for? Very, uh, people that, you know, I'm not used to their their style. Because a lot of guys around here, sometimes you see the same stuff. And I think, you know, going to Japan or the UK or, you know, Canada or something, it it would help me learn more about the business and also, you know, get me ready for that next level. One of the matches that has always been a popular attraction for fans and uh, some wrestlers like it, some don't, is the Battle Royal. Uh, Battle Royals have been around for probably close to 100 years now. What's your own personal stance on Battle Royals? Is it something you enjoy doing, something you do? Because it's a necessary evil, something you don't really enjoy doing. Um, I let's see, I I don't hate them, but I don't overly love them. Sometimes you get like really good battle royals when you know you got like people people you know in there. You can make it a little bit of fun. Those are the battle royals I love. Um. I'd say for the most part, you know, they're not my total favorite thing to do, but I usually have fun when I do them. Now, sometimes there's injuries in a battle royal, and injuries, of course, are just a natural part of professional wrestling. They happen to everybody if they're in the business for any length of time. I know you've had the unfortunate injury or two in your career. What are some of the injuries that you've had to deal with up to this point? Let's see. Uh, I have 
broken both of my collarbones. Um, I've had multiple concussions. Uh, I cracked my elbow. Um, like I said, multiple, multiple, multiple concussions. Those are not fun. Um, and I, I honestly, I think that's, I think that's all I've, I've had. I've actually been pretty lucky. Um, you know, I mean, I have the, the typical wrestler, wrestler pains of, you know, the back hurting and the hips and the knees, but I think that's, uh, I think that's all the big injuries I've had so far. Well, that's enough for me. If you never got injured again, I would be fine with that. Hey, you and me both. I'm putting my face in the big man upstairs. Yep, yep. Anytime you have multiple concussions, that's at least one more than needed. Oh, 100%. Concussions are are definitely not fun and I'm so glad now we have the, the technology we do. We can, you know, look into those more and be a little bit more, you know, safe um, with them because, yeah, those, those are not fun, man. They are not. Now, my own personal record was three separate brain injuries in a single match, and I do not recommend to anyone attempting to do that. Yeah, I... I... You know, I think you have that record, man. I think you could keep that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't advise people trying to get it. Yeah, that sounds painful. Uh, I was pretty much out of it, so I wasn't really in that much pain. People just presumed so. The uh, the last big concussion I had, I was I was working a show, and I went to go for a dive. And uh, when I when I was running for this dive, I don't know what it was about just about this night, but I mean I came out like a like a cannonball just shooting out, and I smacked my head off the ground, and I woke up and I did not know where I was, who anybody was. All I knew is that I needed to wrestle because I recognized I had my wrestling gear on. But uh, yeah, I, I I know what you mean there when you don't feel like you're you're all there and you're dazed and you don't remember. All I could remember at one point after my multiple brain injury night was that the Outlaw Arena was at one one five one South Kentucky Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana. That is correct. That is correct, sir. Yes. Yeah. It definitely sounds like. Sounds like you had a big concussion that night. I did. I, I did not know my home address, but I knew the Outlaw Arena address. Well, hey, at least you got to the show, though. At least you, at least you know how to remember how to get there for next time. <laughs> That's true. I got there the following week for a visit. I was told I was not to go near the ring, but I did go and you know make the rounds and say hello to the boys. For sure, for sure. Now, one of the more important aspects for pro wrestlers' income, especially in the age we're in now, I think more than ever, is merchandising. Uh, You see pro wrestlers hawking anything they can at merchandise tables on live shows, and 
Uh, they will uh, sell it on websites, however they can, to make up any income that they can. Um, right now, especially when shows are not as prevalent as they were pre-pandemic, it becomes more important for the wrestlers to make that income. What's the Dalton Davis merchandise game looking like these days? Uh, I actually just finished up an order for uh, some T-shirts. So we're going to have some T-shirts coming here soon. Um, I've also got 8x10s available at, uh, you know, my merch table, whenever, wherever show I'm at, you can find those there. And uh, I'm actually trying to work on getting a website for uh for my merch as well. So look look for that coming up in the very near future. I will definitely keep my eye on that situation. And right now my co host is standing by and I know that QT Vokes has some questions, so I'm gonna pass things over to him for a bit. Sounds good. Well thank you, Sangai. Hello Dalton. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. Dalton, I saw your YouTube video entitled Jason Levi versus Dalton Davis Street Fight 2 Loser Leaves NWP. <coughs> ah, yes. I, that is actually one of my favorite matches I've ever had. Well, my first question is who won Street Fight 1? Uh, Street Fight won. Jason Levi won, actually. Um, it was uh, it was me versus Jason Levi with me and Jason Levi's uh, first original trainer. He went by the name of Tolerant Zero. May he rest in peace. Love that man. Um, and he Tolerant Zero is a special guest referee. And uh, Jason beat me the first time, but I got him the second time, though. So we're, we're we're tied right now. We're one one. Now was that referee that refer, ref the first match the referee in the in the second match the loser leaves NWP. No, so the the referee we had um, for Street Fight Two uh, is a guy by the name of Donnie Tsunami. Um, he he has helped me out a lot. Donnie is Donnie is one of those guys that. He's going to give you advice, you know, sometimes sometimes you might not like that advice that he gives you or the way he says it because he's just, he's blunt with it. But, man, Donnie is Donnie's definitely a really great person to have in a locker room, whether it be, you know, him as a referee or just, you know, helping backstage. Donnie is such an asset to the show. Well, Mr. Davis, near the start, well, first of all, this second match, uh, I see that it's posted near Thanksgiving in 2019. Can you tell us, I- I- indeed, if the second match came the week of Thanksgiving 2019? Uh, let's see. What, what is what is Thanksgiving's date again? I think it's the 25th or the 24th always of November. Yes, so we... Our street fight, that street fight happened, I believe, November 22nd. Okay. Is It was the, yeah, that was the date of the show. Because New Wave had, uh, it was their bigger show. They had Joey O'Reilly versus 
Hornswoggle on that show, I believe. Um, and it was November 22nd of 2019. Oh, okay. Because the video does say it it is posted November 23rd, 2019. When did the first uh, um, uh, street fight take place between you oh. and Jason? That, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm very terrible at remembering dates. Um, that, that happened, I do know, very earlier on in my career. Uh, that was like my, that was like my first ever stipulation match I had ever gotten to do, um, was street fight number one against Jason Levi. I'm wanting, wanting to say maybe 20, 2017 Ooh, okay. is when is when that street fight one happened. Maybe don't quote me on that. I'm probably very wrong, but I think it was around in that time. Wow. Okay. So you had at least a year uh, between street fights, at least. Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, Mister Davis, near the start of the match. You had one foot on the top rope and one foot on the second rope, and you had your back toward Levi, and then you did a 180-degree turn after you leaped off the rope and the turnbuckle, and you landed in the ring. At that point, the referee did not check for foreign objects, though. He just asked if both wrestlers were ready. But in hindsight how this was a street fight was it kind of a mute point that he did not check for foreign objects you know honestly I think uh, I think Donnie just I think Donnie just knew me and Jason were ready to get after each other I think he knew that uh, I, I think I think he knew that it, whatever we had you know on us if Jason or I were to have a foreign object I think you know that it was going to take a lot more than that to stop either one of us. Because once you once you know me and Jason pretty well, you can you can understand we're we're pretty hard headed. Uh, we're very we're very stubborn. It's hard for us to just say no or stay down. Um, oh, okay. so I, I think I think he I think he knew. I think he knew that uh, it was it was just going to add to the show. I think he was just ready to see it like everybody else. Okay. Have you ever seen uh, Jason Levi maybe in another setting or another arena pull, pull a foreign object out of his trunks? Multiple times, actually. Yeah, multiple times. You know, sometimes, sometimes he's. I love him to death. Like I said, he's like my brother. But sometimes he is just a dirtbag. He is. I've seen him pull. Let's see. I've seen him wrestle Colby Jack, the uh, wrestling cow, and uh, hit Colby Jack with a chain. I think Ooh. that's. I think that's the. I think that's the last time I've ever seen him use a foreign object. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. So, in in your recall. Can you recall if he's ever pulled a rubber chicken out of his trunks? Because Sign Guy has has a chicken named Chicken Bob. 
Although I don't think Stein Guy has ever pulled it out of his trunks. Chicken Bob has a Facebook Facebook page. Not not saying that Jason Levi hangs around with a chicken, but anyway, have you ever seen Jason pull a chicken out of his trunks? That's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, no, I have not. But thank you for telling me that Chicken Bob has a Facebook page because I'm definitely on my way to liking that page right now. Oh, okay. I, I believe he also has a Twitter Twitter account. Chicken Bob does. Perfect. Oh, okay. That's All right. Well, <laughs> Mr. Davis, who was the lady manager in the black jacket and short red shorts that was in the corner of Levi in your street fight too? Um, that was Jason Levi's manager at the time. That was uh, Miss Allie. Uh, M- Mitch Allie? Miss Allie, M-I-S-S, Miss oh, Allie. Allie. Oh, Miss Allie, yep. okay. Okay. Uh, I thought you said maybe short for Mich- Michelle. Michelle. Uh, kind yeah. of. Oh, okay. Now, speaking of manor- managers, who were your famous heel managers and babyface managers of all time in wrestling? Can you give our Turnbuckle Turmoil listeners a rundown of your favorite managers? Favorite heel managers? Um, you know, I, I can't, you know, of course, all, like all-time greats, there's Bobby Heenan. Um, but, but for me, for me, my favorite's probably been Paul Heyman. Um just because, you know, that was that was my era of wrestling growing up. And uh, I would have to say Paul Heyman is my favorite heel manager. Um, okay. As far as my favorite babyface manager, uh, I'd probably have to say Miss Elizabeth. Because uh, oh. I, really, I really enjoyed her and Macho Man's, her and Macho Man's stuff. Yeah, I'd have to say her. All right. Okay. How about the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart? I you know, that is another good one. I do love Jimmy Hart. That's actually uh, one of my father's very favorite. Oh, okay. All right. Did you know uh, Jimmy Hart used to belong in a band called the Gentries? No, I did not know that actually. Yes, the Gentries, and they had a hit song called "Keep On Dancing." I'll have to give that a listen. I did not know he was in that's a really good fact, actually. I didn't I did not know he was in a band. Yes, yes, and he also worked on some of the entrance music for several wrestlers. I did hear that one. Yes. Okay. All right. I already uh I already helped out with uh Shawn Michaels. I I was watching some podcasts that he did as well. And uh I didn't hear about that one, but yeah, that was a good fact. I didn't know he was in a band. So mind-boggled about that one. Yes, yes. Now, did you like Shawn Michaels when he worked with Triple H? And at one time, Shawn Michaels was in a skit where he became a cook and quit wrestling, and he was cooking over a grill, and Triple H came upon him, and he said, Shawn? Did, did you happen to remember to see when Shawn Michaels? Yes, was and he uh, he uh, super kicked the little girl and the croutons went everywhere. 
Actually, I think that was a manager who came to, to Sean and said, we have, a, we have a lot of orders out there and you're not keeping up and such and such. And he gave him sweet chin music. Yes, that's what it was. That was actually, uh, that was actually my, I was like my favorite era of DX, truthfully. Because uh, I, was, I was such a, I was a little kid. I was probably about eight, nine years old when uh, that storyline happened. And yeah, I remember that, that clear as day. I remember the, the little promo Triple H cut. That was one of my favorite promos of all time that he cut about. Uh, it was right after Legacy did the beatdown on him the week before he went and started to find Sean. Yeah, that was I, – I love Sean Michaels. Uh, I, just Sean Michaels in general. But that that last little run that he had with Triple H, I, I really enjoyed that. Yes, after he gave the, that uh, uh, restaurant manager the sweet chin music, he throws down his apron and says, "Let's go." And it was, put, and yep. he said it pretty nonchalant. <laughs> yep, that, yes. yeah, I, I, that was one of my favorite promos. I loved that one, and then the uh, the the state of address promo that DX did forever ago, uh, where they were like. You might you might know the exact name of their promo, um, but where they were calling or they were basically saying that they weren't going to cuss anymore. Oh, like, I think I I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, where he's like, yeah, that was that one was it had like Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and China, and they were all standing yeah, like in front of the podium. Yes, yeah, that was that was another one of my favorites that they did. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember that one. That was it. Kind of evolved into a lot of swearing. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, speaking of uh, the role of a cook that Shawn Michaels underwent uh, in your road trips with other wrestlers, you inevitably probably stop at a Shoney's or a Waffle House or a Denny's. How do you how do you yourself like your eggs? Over easy, over e, over medium, or over hard, or scrambled? Scrambled. I am a sucker for scrambled eggs. I love scrambled eggs. Okay. Have you ever had scrambled eggs and hash browns that are scattered, smothered, and covered at a Waffle House? No, I have not. But that is definitely going to be something that I get next time I go now. Oh, very good. Very good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Dalton, at the 3 minute and 27 mark of your uh, video with Jason Levi, Street Fight 2, uh, you were outside the ring and you gave Levi a hosing down with a fire extinguisher. And after you sprayed the fire extinguisher, you hit him with a black nozzle. My question is, after the match, did you have to sign the card that was attached to the extinguisher to say that it had been used? You know, no, I did not. I definitely did not do that. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that we were all we were just searching for uh, searching for weapons we could beat each other with. You know, I was doing. I was doing my scavenging to beat, find weapons to beat Jason Levi up, and he was finding weapons to beat me up. And I seen a fire extinguisher, and I was like, "Let's do it." 
That's that's literally the whole thought process behind that. Now, after uh, after this video was published, were you yourself contacted by any fire marshals about the fire extinguisher and not signing the card? <laughs> Luckily, no. Luckily, no, I was not. Oh, okay. Now, was this the first time you used a fire extinguisher in any match? Yes, actually, it was. It was the very first time. Oh, okay. All right. Boy, that's a... Okay. Well, Mr. Davis, we here on the Turnbuckle Turmoil Show often give homework assignments to our guest, and it usually involves them uh, to look up uh, and it usually involves entrance music. Our guest this past Friday was told to look up the video Joan Jett and the Runaways when they sang Cherry Bomb in Japan. Uh, to sign guys and my surprise, our guest looked up the video and reported back to us the same day. Most of our Turnbuckle Turmoil homework assignments uh, – are assigned, and then the uh, guests that we assign them to never get back, never gets back to Sign Guy and myself to say if it was completed or not. My question is: Will you be the first wrestler in Turnbuckle Turmoil history to get the same assignment two days in a row and give us your your critique of the video and report back to Sign Guy? I can do that, sir. All right, you are assigned the homework assignment to look up Joan Jett as a young runaway. She would have been about uh, 18 at the time. And they are in Japan performing their song, Cherry Bomb. And you said it was uh, in Japan? Yes. I will uh, definitely, definitely, definitely be messaging Sign Guy because... And get this homework done. <laughs> okay, because it is both Sign Guy and myself. Uh, we we're kind of wondering after you see this video performed by the Runaways with Sherry Curry as lead singer, Joan Jett and Lita Ford, that you will use it as entrance music. Yeah, I will definitely let you know. Um, I'll have to look it up after we're done here. So I want to play it right now, and you know, you get your copyrights or whatever, but yes, I will definitely let Sound Guy know. Oh, okay. This is going to be huge. All right. Very good. All right. Okay. Now, uh, Mr. Davis, you gave your own version of Sweet Chin Music to Jason Levi's manager. Are there any reports that she had to get uh, some dental work done after the match? No, I, I didn't hear any reports, um, but between you and me, I kind of hope she did. <laughs> yes, yes, because right before you gave her some sweet chin music, uh, she had slapped you about five times. Slapped you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was actually, um, she was the reason me and Jason Levi were having that match. She was, uh, you know, taking... They, taking Jason Levi down that uh, that heel path, and you know that, that Jason Levi's my best friend. You know I don't I don't want to see him going down that way. And she uh, she kept on getting in his ear, and 
you know, of course he, he believed her and everything. Cause you know, that's, he loved her. And, uh, it took me kicking that, kicking her teeth, kicking her teeth in to get my best friend back. And if that's what it takes, so be it. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, Mr. Dalton, can you tell us a little bit about your athletic background in high school? Did you turn out for track and field? Uh, track and field, no. was too fat to run that much. Um, I did play football. I played football from uh, kindergarten all the way up to my junior year. Um, I amateur wrestled for six years. Uh, it was pretty – I wasn't wasn't too, too good at amateur wrestling. Um, I was pretty solid. Uh, won a couple tournaments. Um, football, football, football is my favorite. Football was my my love before I was able to wrestle. Um, and like I said, I, I played that for honestly my whole life. Played all stars. Um, was lucky enough to make the varsity team uh, towards the middle season of my freshman year at my high school. So. Uh, I played I played baseball. Um, I only played a couple years of baseball, uh, and I played three years of basketball as well. Wow! Wow! You were pre- very active in, in high school sports. Oh boy! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I uh, my my whole life, um, you know, I wasn't I didn't have I was I'm an only child, and so it was either, you know, sitting here and my room and play video games all day and just, you know, hang out on my lonesome or go out and play sports with my friends. And that's what, uh, that's what we did. I was, gosh, I miss those times, you know, simpler times, being young, meeting up with your buddies, going to football practice. Those are the days. Yes. And riding your bicycle to football practice, bicycle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was, I used to love that. Me and my buddies would meet up before football practice and, uh, you know, until we got cars, until we got cars and when we were able to drive. We were like, forget them bikes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'd always just get together and, um, we'd ride our bikes to practice, practice. And then after practice, all of us would ride our bikes home and repeat the same thing the next day. Oh, Okay. Well, now in your junior year of high school, did you play on the defensive line or were you a linebacker? Uh, I actually, so I've played both sides of the ball because um, luckily, like I said, me playing football uh, since I was really, really young, um, I got to play both sides of the ball. I did get to play, uh, I played linebacker. I played everywhere on the defense and offensive line. Um, and I was even fullback at one point in time. Oh, all right. I I bet you in your junior year you were six foot two, two hundred and forty five pounds. Am I close? Uh, I wish. I wish. Uh, I was probably about about five ten and about two hundred and forty pounds. Ooh, okay. I was a little bit off in the height, though. So you were uh, kind of built like Earl Campbell, the Houston Oilers yeah. running back. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I wasn't the tallest guy, but you know, I was. I was. I was meaty, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you said that you didn't turn out. You did not turn out uh, for football in your senior year. Is that correct? Correct. Did you instead join the drama club in your high school and perform in the all-time classic, A Midsummer Night's Dream? No, I did not. No, I did not, sadly. Um, I actually went on to online schooling after my uh, junior year. So I could, uh, I just wanted to pursue wrestling more. And, you know, luckily we live in a world nowadays where mostly everything's electronic or technology now. So I went to online schooling. That was the reason I didn't get to play my senior year. Ah, okay. All right. Can you tell both Sign Guy and myself what your school mascot was? Uh, So we were the Terre Haute North Patriots. And uh, our mascot was a Patriot, just like uh, the New England Patriots. Same mascot. (laughs) Oh, okay. Can you tell us what Jason Levi's school mascot was? Um, I believe, now don't quote me, I believe the school he went to was, uh, I think they were the Northview Knights, and I think his, I think his mascot was a knight. Oh, a knight, okay. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Davis, it was nice talking with you, and maybe, do you you predict in the future that you will have a Jason Levi versus Dalton Davis Street Fight 3. Is that in the cards? As of right now, um, it has not been talked about. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm I'm sure before before the time comes or me and Jason hang up the boots, there will definitely be a couple more street fights in there for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, Mr. Davis, good luck with your homework assignment to watch uh, the Runaways perform Cherry Bomb in Japan. And if you could get back to the same guy on that, uh, that'd be good. Yes. I got you. I got you. I appreciate you guys having me. Back to you, son guy. Thank you, QT. Well, Dalton, we talked, of course, about you doing the tango with multiple people before matches if you had to pick someone in the wrestling industry past or present whom would you most want to do the tango with that you have not already done so uh we we talking like a like a dream matchup of mine yeah a dream tango if you will um i would say I would say past or present. I'm going to give you a, a wrestler for, for each, past and present. Um, past, I would really like to get in there with Stan Hansen. Um, Stan Hansen was uh, a guy that I studied and still to this day still study. He's he's a phenomenal wrestler. His matches with uh, Vader in Japan were insane. Um and truthfully, if I had to pick a wrestler 
nowadays that's that's wrestling. Um, hmm. It's honestly a toss-up between two people, uh, Sammy Callahan and or Danhausen. Those are those are probably I see be being a Tango Housen. That I would like to Tango Housen with Dan Housen. As you mentioned, I was QT Miss Alley and Miss Alley, a great valet on the independent scene in the Midwest. But in the last several years, we've seen a dwindling number of valets and managers. It's an important role that uh, you used to see a lot more often at the national level. Now it's uh, fairly scarce at that level. Independently, there's more, but uh, the quality can uh, vary quite a bit as far as the type of training that the managers and valets receive. Do you think that the role of valet and manager will eventually come back and be what it once was, or do you think that's just a role in wrestling that has outlived itself and is going to continue to dwindle? I, you know, honestly, man, I, I hope, I hope there's, I hope this isn't, you know, just the it for managers or whatever, um, because there's, gosh, managers can, they can, they can add so, so much. They're, they're so valuable. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see them, you know, just diminish out. There's, there's a lot of good guys, you know, and especially in the Midwest right now that are, that are trying to keep that, that, that fire for the managers, I guess, as you would say, guys like, uh, house, Alcon house. He, he's a, he's a good one. Um, skull crusher, WCWO, those guys, uh, those two guys just off the top of my head, they they've they're good at their job and I I wouldn't I how what's the word I'm looking for here I wouldn't want to see that diminish I think I think ballets and managers are a uh, very key point in wrestling they can they can add a lot of curveballs and you know side turns and blind sides and storylines and it just makes it all for the better. Now, one person that is semi-retired, but he will pop up during uh, pre-shows and so forth and so on, is someone that kind of set the stage in the mid-2000s for entertaining Hill, and you were talking about the importance of adding the entertainment value into wrestling, that being JBL, he would come to the ring in a big limousine. Uh, He had his cabinet, he called them, to surround him. Uh, He was sort of Ted DiBiase meets Stan Hansen in a lot of ways. Were you a big fan of what JBL brought to the table at that point? I'm going to be honest with you. I love JBL. JBL is... JBL is one of the ones I study when it comes to heel work, um, and just just ring work in general. His matches that he had with 
Eddie Guerrero and matches he had with Rey Mysterio were were so good. And as a kid, I remember sitting watching wrestling with my dad and just hating JBL's guts. Like anytime, anytime you hear that cowbell at the beginning, you know what I'm saying? The, at the beginning of his song, and you seen those those bull horns pull out. I was already yelling at the TV, but now being now actually being in the business and you know understanding it going back and watching his work and just how he was he he was an amazing professional wrestler and you talked of that era being one of your favorites in wrestling if you were to be able to time travel back and you went towards the humble beginnings of professional wrestling as we know it, so starting around, say, the 1910s, 1920s, do you think you would have enjoyed wrestling in that particular era when it was still two guys going out there and wrestling until there was a winner? Sometimes the matches would go an hour, hour and a half. You'd only have maybe three matches on a card because of how long they would go. Uh, things were a lot more physical. Uh, safety was not really a consideration at that point. Uh, people got illnesses from the unsanitary mats. But on the flip side of it, it was often seen by the people that came out of that era as two men going out and wrestling and giving the people pure professional wrestling uh Ticket sales were always very, very good in that time frame. There were always big crowds. Do you think you would have enjoyed the beginnings of pro wrestling, or do you think that you would have been uh, less happy wrestling then than you would be coming into the era we're in today? You know, I I don't think I would I would say I I wouldn't be happy, um, but it would have definitely taken a lot more to get used to uh, because, you know, wrestling evolves, so it it, it has evolved so much. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I, I don't think I would, I would hate it necessarily. I just, I think it would be different for me. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of our show today, and I want to make sure you have ample time if you want to say anything in closing, plug and promote anything and everything, social medias, upcoming shows, the merchandise, your favorite ice cream shop, anything you want, floor is all yours. I appreciate it. Uh, you can find me at Dalton Davis on um, Facebook, Davis underscore 8293 on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Dalton Davis Wrestling on YouTube. Uh, as far as upcoming events I got coming up, uh, the 11th of September, I have EPW in Odin, Illinois. And every Friday, you can come check me out at 1151 South Kentucky Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana for WCWO. Um, this Friday, I'm actually stepping in the ring with uh, a cat by the name of Logan Myers. Um, and me and him have been going at it uh, these last couple of shows, and 
he's definitely a great performer. So, you know, I'm just like the rest of the guys at WCWO. There's a lot of great guys there. Um, so, yeah, definitely come out and support your local wrestlers, your local wrestling show. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Well, Dalton Davis, I want to thank you very, very much for being on the show today. We definitely enjoyed having you. Hopefully our paths will cross again in the not-too-distant future. Maybe we'll dance the tango one more time. Hey, man, I'm down. You just let me know. I'd love to. Absolutely. Fans, if you have not, get on the YouTubes. Look up Dalton Davis. He's a fantastic professional wrestler. He's been around for a good bit now has come a long, long ways in his career, so support him and what he does. Be entertained by him, and we will be back with you next week. Uh, we will be back with you on Friday with Lily Lockhart, and then one week from this very day, we will be back with you with Ray Black. So make sure you have plans to be with us, and we will talk to you soon. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.